welcome to All There Is. I'm your host, Kelly Bargabas. And in today's episode, we are going to begin a conversation about drinking, about our relationship to alcohol, what it means, what it doesn't mean, what I've learned about it, about myself, and what I'm still discovering. In my last episode, which was number 24, and it was called Goal Weight, Getting Rid of Diets, Last Days, and Life-Stealing Belief Systems, I think it was. I warned you that this topic was next. Um, These last couple of years, I've been really working hard on dismantling belief systems within me and really challenging and questioning things that I believe about these things that have taken up a lot of space in my life and a lot of mental real estate in my life. And dieting and weight loss and body image is a big one. And then alcohol and drinking is another big one. I know that some of you are already tuning out because you're not interested in questioning and talking about drinking. You might even be annoyed with me right now or feeling defensive, attacked, judged, and shamed. The topic of alcohol and drinking is another one of those polarizing topics I've found that really elicits really strong reactions from people, mostly negative, which I find in and of itself very interesting. We've given this substance so much power in our world, our culture, our economy, and our lives. When you really sit and think about it and start to become aware of it and you start noticing all the ads and the billboards and the marketing and just the culture around drinking, we've given it a huge space in our world. And so just for that reason, I think it warrants exploration and curiosity and authentic vulnerability around it. And I promise you, I'm not coming from a place of judgment, shame, or offering advice or an opinion on what any of you should do. I'm still trying to figure out what I should do. I'm going to do my best to only talk about myself, my journey, my thoughts, what I've discovered and learned. And I'm not here to share anyone else's story or journey. The only other person I'm going to talk about in another episode is my grandmother, my mother's mother. And it's not so much about her journey of addiction and alcoholism, because there's so much I don't know about it, but it's really just what I witnessed and how it impacted me. Now, she's no longer on this earth, God rest her soul. I know my mother doesn't mind if I talk about it, and I don't think my grandmother would mind. I don't come from a place of judgment, even with her, but it just her drinking life had a profound effect on me. And I think about it a lot. It impacted my mother in very big ways, changed her life and who she is. So, of course, it impacted me. So that will be in another episode. But other than that, I am really going to stick to myself, try not to project any of my own discoveries or beliefs on on anybody else. Now, the other reaction I get when I share anything about my relationship or exploration with drinking and alcohol is, um, and this is oftentimes from the people closest to me, oh, I didn't know you had a problem. Oh, I didn't know you had a problem. Jeez, I didn't know Kelly had a problem with alcohol. Huh, I didn't know she had a drinking problem. And again, that comes from people who know me the best say things like that to me. It's like if you if you question it, then you must have a problem with it. And I've also encountered some really offensive remarks. People have really said some things to me that were really rude and hurtful that I would never say to anybody, especially somebody that I've loved. But what I've learned and experienced is that if you take the time to explore this area in your life, ask questions, get curious, you're really going against the grain. You're going against this herd mentality 
mentality that we have in our culture right now around alcohol. Uh, It's in people's nature to want to put you in this category or in this box of, oh, okay, you must be one of those people. You must be an exception who can't control their drinking. If you have to question it, you must be an alcoholic. Okay, so you're not like me. I don't need to question it. I'm fine. You must not be fine. I don't need to worry. You need to worry. And I think people just have this need to put us in a box and label us so that they don't have to look at themselves. It's just my observation. Also, if you're listening and waiting to find out the big secret, the big salacious story about me, the rock bottom that I hit, the awful thing that I did when I was drunk, don't bother waiting if that's what you're waiting for because there isn't one. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not physically addicted or chemically dependent. I can drink or not drink. I can moderate. I've been doing it for almost my whole life. I've never had a DUI or missed a day of work or hurt myself. But even, you know, just hearing myself say that, I feel judgy myself saying that. Oh, I've never had a DUI. I'm not one of those people that had a DUI. And I have never had one, but I certainly have driven drunk. I have driven when I shouldn't have. I've driven impaired. I've also been in a car riding with someone where we were both extremely hammered and we got in an accident and she got a a DUI just because she was the one who happened to be driving that day. And I've never missed a day of work, but I've been hungover for sure. I've said things to people that I love. Uh, my husband and others while drinking that I've regretted. I've thrown up. You know, I'm, I'm someone who throws up pretty easily. I have migraines a lot. Drinking brings on migraines. And so I throw up. So even though I haven't hit rock bottom, I certainly have experienced a lot of negative things in my life due to drinking and alcohol. But the biggest is that I have given up my peace of mind. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But my point is with all of this is we, when it comes to alcohol and drinking, we tend to be very black and white. You are either normal, which means as an adult, you drink when you're supposed to and when you're expected to and when you're told to, or you're one of those who can't drink because you're an alcoholic and you can't control yourself. You know, if you tell someone you're sober, try this out at a party. Somebody says, you know, oh, I don't drink. I'm sober. Oh, okay. I get it. And you can see the wheels turning in people's minds like, oh, they're an addict. Oh, geez. I wonder what they did. I wonder how bad they got. They had to give up drinking completely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I gotcha. So it's it's just very black and white. And we generally don't accept any in between. It's just very polarizing. The other thing that's really funny to me is that alcohol is the only drug on our planet that you have to justify not using or cutting back on. And this has been happening to me as I tell people, oh, I'm not drinking anymore. What? What do you mean you're not drinking anymore? Why on earth would you not be drinking? And, you know, if I had said to someone, hey, listen, you know what? I'm not going to do heroin anymore. They would say, oh, okay, great. Good for you. Yes, good choice. Don't do heroin. Heroin is bad. If I told somebody I was going to cut back on smoking and give up a pack of cigarettes a day, they would be cheering me on, right? They'd be in my corner. They wouldn't say, no, you can't give up smoking. No, don't give up smoking. Don't give up heroin. What are you, crazy? And no one ever says that. But if you tell someone you're going to give up alcohol, especially if they know you and they know you're not an alcoholic, then they really are sometimes not supportive. And you, you get the response of, what? 
Are you crazy? Why would you give up alcohol? Are you nuts? And it's really funny to me when you think about it because alcohol is a drug. I mean, it is an addictive, toxic drug that alters your mental state, just like heroin, just like crystal meth, just like cigarettes, right? But you have to justify not using it or cutting back on it. It's a really interesting dynamic to me. And as you know, if you know me at all, or if you've listened to any of these podcasts, you know that I I like to question things. I like to explore. Like I said at the beginning, I'm dismantling belief systems in my life. And I'm reading this book right now. And I just read this quote last night by uh, Pema Chodron. And I'm sure I said that name wrong. But she said this, the most fundamental harm we can do ourselves is to remain ignorant by not having the courage and the respect to look at ourselves honestly and gently. And I just love that quote. It just really spoke to me and I think fits in this whole topic of exploring my drinking and alcohol use. And I love how she included that last word, gently. I haven't always been gentle on myself. And it's a good reminder that we should be. And so all of that is the spirit in which I'm approaching this topic. So if you're still with me, let's keep going. Let's jump in. How did I get started on this journey of exploration? Well, I can tell you that I'm a contemplative person. We've already established that. So it probably won't surprise you, especially if you listen to my last episode about diets and, you know, my whole mentality around weight loss and my weight. I periodically do a detox. A couple times a year, I'll do a detox. It hasn't traditionally been focused on alcohol or booze. It's typically been around my diet, which involves giving up sugar, which of course is alcohol. So whenever I would do these detoxes, again, once or twice a year, I would give up alcohol most of the time. I always felt better without it, but I could never quite put my finger on why I felt better without alcohol. And then one night during one of these 30-day detoxes, I woke up at 2 or 3 in the morning, which was not unusual. I typically wake up around then, and I headed to the bathroom. And it was in that moment where it was, of course, all quiet in the house And I realized that it was quiet in my mind. There was no regret. There was no headache. There was no upset stomach, no dread about the next morning and having to get up. There was no wondering about exactly how much I'd had to drink or if I had an argument with my husband. I wasn't trying to remember the ending to the movie or a show or exactly what I had done the night before. And in that moment, it hit me. I had peace. I had peace of mind. Without alcohol in my system, I had peace of mind. And that, my friend, is something I've been on a lifelong journey to find. Now, I've always had a complicated relationship with alcohol and drinking, a love-hate. I was born into a family with a complicated relationship with it, you know, with this substance. My mom had already suffered from its effects with her mom's drinking in a very big and traumatic way. And then it's very classic for a child of an alcoholic to marry an alcoholic, which she did. She married my dad. He was drinking when he when she married him. He stopped drinking 45 years ago. Thank you, Jesus. He's been free of it for 45 years, which is amazing. I am so grateful for that. But my point is that when I was born, there was already an established tension in my family around alcohol. And at the beginning of this episode, I called alcohol a polarizing topic for people in general, and it is, but it's it's polarizing within me as well. I have these two forces pulling me in different directions, and I've had it for most of my life because I started drinking when I was 13 years old. It's the first time I drank. 
I see 13-year-olds today and I think, oh my God, I was so young. I was just a baby. And for a long time, I've wondered why so many people I know that drink just as much, if not more than I do, don't struggle with regret, shame, and anxiety like I do around my drinking. I realized that since I was born, I had received negative messages about alcohol. My grandmother drank like it was her job. My childhood was filled with fishing her out of bars and ditches or going to her trailer to check on her to make sure she was eating something between the cans of beer. And she eventually drank herself into early dementia and that was it. That was all she wrote for her. My father, who I was just talking about, also had a drinking problem, and he was in the process of drinking himself to death, and he found God and miraculously stopped drinking forever. And I was eight when that happened. But the messages at that point were already solid in me. Alcohol destroyed. Alcoholics were bad people. Drinking was a sin. Alcohol equaled ashamed. And this built a foundation of fear in me. And I've always been afraid of becoming an alcoholic. So I have this looming over me. But then as I grew older and into my early teens, I began to receive all the positive, affirming messages about drinking from our culture. My older brother and his cool friends, the older kids at school, these older girls on my school bus that smoked cigarettes and, and drank. I thought, I thought they were the coolest beings on the earth and I couldn't wait to be cool like them. And then there were all the movies and the music. You know, I grew up in the 80s and um, there was just a, a party culture, right? And so I'm getting all these really positive messages about alcohol. And at 13, I started drinking and was good at it. I was noticed for my drinking prowess. I could drink with the best of them. And this recognition just further reinforced that alcohol made me better. But wait a minute. What about all those messages from my early childhood that alcohol was bad, that I was bad if I drank? All those messages were still there. And so the war began. This war within me, this positive and negative, this polarizing, this tug of war, this pulling that stole my peace for so many years. Like I said, I was 13 the very first time I drank. I was with a couple of friends, just a really small group of us. We were going to the roller skating rink. And before we went, we snuck into my friend's grandmother's kitchen. The whole house was dark. We stood in the kitchen. I don't even think we took our winter jackets off. I, it was like February, freezing cold in upstate New York. And we stood in her kitchen and we drank beer through straws because she had a friend in high school, one of those cool girls from high school, who told us that drinking through a straw got you buzz faster. And so that's what we did. We sucked down a beer or two. I don't even remember how much I had. And, you know, we got a little tipsy or buzzed and then we went to the skating rink. You know, that just set off my drinking career, you know, and I lived in a, in a town and in our culture and in our high school within our town. It was very normal and acceptable for teenagers to drink. We drank all through high school, every Friday and Saturday before football games, before basketball games, after the games. Me and my girlfriends, I had a small group of four of us, and man, we were the party girls. We had a great time. We never went to a party without having a few drinks ahead of time. We never walked into a party stone cold sober, so we would have have some we'd split a case of beer in the car we would use the glove compartment to slice up our lemon and we would mix tangeray seven and lemon right in the car and we'd drive around drinking it and having cocktails before we went to a party this is in high school this is 
10th, 11th, and 12th grade, I re- my partying really kicked into high gear. And again, it, it was normalized with the people that I hung out with and where I was from. And I got to college and I had already been drinking by that time, you know, a few years. So I didn't really freak out when I got to college like a lot of kids do when they first get their freedom. But I continued to drink nonetheless, drank through my 20s. And it just became part, like it does for so many of us, part of our social fabric, part of our social activities, right? Even as an adult, quote unquote, as I grew up and started adulting, you know, we had drinks before dinner, during dinner, after dinner, we went to football games. We went to concerts. We went to the movies and everything involved drinking. Everybody is doing it, right? And I continued this journey and different points in my life drank more or less, but for the most part, kept it to the weekends and vacations. I've had a very successful career. I haven't really had too many negative impacts from it other than this war inside of me and not having any peace of mind about it. That was the biggest impact to me. It just always, always had this tug of war going on inside of me because I'm doing all this partying and drinking like everyone around me is. But at the same time, I have all these messages that I learned as a baby and as a little girl about how bad alcohol was. So fast forward to my 40s, and then I go through a really painful divorce. Alcohol got me through that divorce. And I even told my friends and family, like, listen, I'm drinking my way through this, period. So, you know. Just so you know, that's what I'm doing. And, you know, nobody, again, I still kept it together. I got up every day. I went to work. But I probably drank more during that time than I had the rest of my adult life. And it was a great comfort to me. You know, a few glasses of wine at night, a few beers. It just helped dispel the loneliness. It was my friend. It was my solace during that time frame. And then I met my husband, who I'm married to today, who I love very much. And I actually knew him in high school. We come from the same town. We we come from that same culture. He's a party guy. And he and I have had a ton of fun together, right? We're drinking buddies. We love to taste really good red wine. We love tasting bourbon. Both love really good craft beer. And we've had a ton of fun doing it. We love to listen to music. We love to go to dive bars. And it's really, it's just continued to be a theme in my life. And it's very normalized in our culture. More than 80% of adults in our world drink today. But again, I've got this war going on inside of me. So I've been on this journey to try to get that peace of mind, to try to figure out the place that alcohol should have in my life. Again, it's taken up so much mental space, so much mental real estate, and I don't like it. I don't like that it takes up that much space in my mind. I don't like that it steals my joy, that it steals my peace. And so last year in July, I started another one of those detoxes. This time it was a 21-day alcohol detox. It was specific to alcohol. And I came across this book called This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And I read this book during that 21-day detox, and it really blew up my belief systems, and everything I thought I knew about alcohol. It's an awesome book. I recommend it regardless of where you're at on your journey. And not just around alcohol. It, what she talks about and how our brain works 
and how addictive substances work and how belief systems get cemented in us, I think could apply to a lot of different areas. So I highly recommend this book. She also has a podcast out there where she talks about this kind of stuff. And it just really changed how it changed what I believe and how I think about alcohol. And so for this past year, I really have retired. I'm a retired party girl now. And this retired party girl is is just not doesn't drink the same way that she used to. Now, I haven't completely given it up. I gave it up for, geez, maybe nine months or so. I hardly had a drink at all. I had some champagne at my our friend's wedding and I think some wine on Thanksgiving. But other than that, I really didn't drink this last year. And, and that's pretty big for me and my world and my group of friends. I'm not saying I'm never going to drink again. I, I'm still kind of figuring that out. You know, one of the things that I've discovered in this latest journey of mine is what exactly do I offer this world when I'm drinking? My work, my career, my leadership, my writing, my voice work, you know, my ministry, my relationship with God, my family relationships, everything that's important and meaningful and interesting about me and that I do is done sober. When I'm drinking, I really offer nothing to this world. And that may be okay. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Alcohol is just fun and supposed to let off some steam. But as long as I understand that, you know, that drinking really doesn't add anything to my life at all. It, it just doesn't. And I think that is probably the biggest thing that I've learned is in this last year. You know, when I started this detox last summer, June, what is it? Today is June 3rd. So it's been almost a year and I've barely drank at all, probably less than I have in my entire adult life since I was in high school. And I'm sleeping through the night. I have peace. You know, I asked my husband one day in this journey. He hasn't said too much about it. He's very supportive, of course. He's always supportive in everything that I do. But I asked him one day what he has seen different about me not drinking so much. And he said, you just seem more calm and, you know, more centered. And he's right. Like, that's the peace of mind. That is the peace of mind. I am more at peace. I'm sleeping. I'm feeling better. All that you know, that tug of war within me is quiet. It's still. And does that mean I'm never going to drink again? No, it doesn't. I I don't quite know yet where I'm going with all this and what the end result is going to be. You know, I want to just be one of those people where I I can drink as much as I want whenever I want, but I really don't want to. You know what I mean? I just, I don't want it to have a big place in my life. I don't want it to steal my peace. And until I can get to a place where I can enjoy alcohol without it stealing my peace, then I'm fine without it. And I've realized that I don't need it. And I've actually got addicted to being present. You know, what I have found is that I can enjoy life without it, you know, that I can go to dinners and I can hang out with friends and I can go to events and I can be 100% completely sober and not have a drink. And it's okay. And it's hard to get there when you've been conditioned. And when you've spent your life drinking around every single event, you begin to associate alcohol with fun and you, you think that you have to have this alcohol in order to have fun. And it sounds really insane, but it's true. And it's a belief system. The big aha moments I had in reading that book and one of the big revelations I had is that alcohol is a number, right? It's a numbing agent. Every time you drink alcohol, it makes your brain feel the same way. And so what it does is it makes all these special events in your life 
feel the same. So whether I go to a Bon Jovi concert or a U2 concert or I'm at a wedding or I'm at a really special dinner or wherever I am, hanging out with family in the backyard or on vacation by the pool. If I'm imbibing alcohol and it's affecting my brain, it makes all those things feel the same. Instead of giving each of those events the ability to unfold and and to really just experience life and those events for what they are and to experience the joy or the sadness or the relaxation or the music you know it's you never come home from a concert and talk about oh my god that beer was so good no you talk about the music and the experience and how awesome it was it has nothing to do with what you imbibed right so that's been one of my big revelations I feel more at peace than anything else. I enjoy going to bed in peace and waking up clear-headed and without regret. There's a big question about can you moderate, can you not moderate? If you are like me and you don't have peace of mind around alcohol, should you just give it up completely or can you moderate? And, you know, I can moderate. I've been moderating for 40 years. I can moderate with the best of them. But that, you know, moderating your alcohol intake and constantly babysitting it of, okay, I'm going to drink these nights this week, but not these nights, and I've got to do this tomorrow, so I can only have a drink or two drinks. Or maybe you overdo it on one night, and then you take two days to recover. I mean, it all takes so much. Moderating is what takes up so much effort and mental space. So I don't know. I, the jury is still out for me on where I'm going to land in this whole journey. But, you know, again, in all there is in this podcast, it's all about sharing the human experience. And in our culture today, alcohol is definitely part of the human experience, drinking, partying. And, you know, I've been right there in the middle of it my whole life. And uh, I can honestly say that this right now, this party girl is retired. You know, will she come out of retirement? I don't know. I I think it's going to be different. And I've learned a lot. I am enjoying my peace. And I hope that this conversation was useful to you in some way. And I would encourage you to just examine and explore your own belief systems. And maybe you don't have any issues. Maybe you don't have any lack of peace. Maybe you don't have this war within and you're absolutely fine. And that's awesome. That's cool. I'm really, I think that's great. It's just hasn't been my experience or my journey. I'm hoping that you know, what I've shared today resonates with somebody. And I'm going to talk about it in a couple more episodes. So tune in and you can check out my website at kellybargabas.com slash podcast and you can listen to past episodes. You can find some resources. I will post a link to the that book, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace, if you're interested. And until we meet again, take care.